Today's guest, CEO, co-founder of the fastest growing window furnishings retailer in the country. We focus on the problem. We focus on the customer and creating customer value. And I think that's something that we hang our hat on that has created a lot of uh, value in the business and created a lot of customer value for those who are buying from us. Right through COVID, coming out the other end with a $100 million e-commerce business. So when we did $22 million in sales, we only spent $650,000 in total advertising. That's your Google ads, your social media ads, and all the rest of it. Give it up for co-founder of DIY Blinds, Evan Montero. Ev! No one's ever lucky. I think the only lucky game in life is where you're born, and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. I tell you what, lucky to all the um, all the people listening. Lucky everyone's listening and not watching today. <laughs> Why? Pete forgot to iron his shirt. <laughs> He's got the crease got across. I was going to say your, your t-shirt's looking crispy. <laughs> That's a brand spanker. It is a brand spanker. Mine's got a bit of a crease. As Get well. on to Spotify or YouTube Freshy. to watch it, and you'll see he's, it he's fr- it's a freshy. It's a freshy. <laughs> Looks no, good. Boys, I come in with the wrong t-shirt. Benny's head. <laughs> okay, you can't wear that, dude. What are you doing, man? I need to get have, you one. Have we got nine here? Yeah, I know. It's all part of, part of the experience. Sorry, if you hear me chewing, good, boys, good I've got a bit of an issue in my mouth today. Yeah, what's going on? What's happened? Oh, what is what what did happen? I'm having a mental blank. Oh, my tooth broke yesterday, and since then it's rubbing on my tongue. Yeah. And just the last hour or so, it's really ramped up to a point where it's. Oh, well, just make sure the feedback I'm good, doesn't I'm good, come I'm through sweet. the mic. Didn't so want to go. Didn't want to go. Apologise if I'm chewing. I'm not. I'm not. You know. Yeah, I go to the mechanic. Didn't want to go to the dentist. Well, that was after our conversation last year when we reckon the dentist just roll you, <laughs> try and st- yeah, take your money. Tell me they haven't put a dodgy one in. We'll go. This one will drop out after twelve, and he'll be back. Oh, you. <laughs> they're going to find. I reckon they're just going to keep adding up when you go in. I got the chief to recurring, call him today. A recur- recurring business is very important. I feel like she'll answer the phone call to the dentist today, going, Ben, we got him back. <laughs> I thought you'd never. That call actually him. lasted a couple of weeks longer yeah. than I thought, but glad to. Hear. Anyway, so if I sound a bit funny. That's because I'm protecting my tongue a little. Do you reckon right? it's all the sugar drinks you have that causes oh, these issues? Oh, the teeth? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Hard hitting questions from over there. It's a good point. Where's, so, where is the red? Oh, I've got you, left it. you always tell me be proactive, not reactive. Oh, That's hello. True. So the proactive thing would be to stop drinking sugary true. drinks. Yeah, true. And then you would avoid the dentist. True. Oh, oh, this year, this year, which you, you've noticed, I've started to drink a drink a f- fair bit more water. You know what I mean? So I'm. You I'm, have. He has been good on I, that. I have been drinking water. And um, no, you're right, Dan. The Red Bull one, I've got no comeback for the Red Bull one because I am even me starting to realise I'm an Because I do drink uh, three cans a day. Three a day? Every day. You could curb that. I could, and I'm going to. And you could still and enjoy the Red before. Bull each day. Correct, and I've never said that before. And you could enjoy you know one mean? each day. One a day. I, no, I think I, I'm, I've, I've got to go. One a week. Oh, I can't. Or you going to go cold turkey? Just uh, no yeah, more. No more. Well, we've had some uh, had some pretty smart people sit in that chair. Yeah. And when they say you're going to remove a vice, remove a bad habit. Yeah. You need to replace it with something. Oh yeah, basketball. Um, no, fitness. Like fitness. No, you probably got to re- with another drink. Oh, with another drink. Otherwise, you'll just go back. Yeah. True. Kombucha. Pete oh, and I, we're on the kombucha. Hello. I don't know what kombucha is. You don't know what kombucha no, is. No idea, man. I just no, get the but that's actually do. not a bad replacement. It's still got the fizz. Got the fizz. And flavor. You'll, you'll still get the 
What is kombucha though? What is it? What is it? It's, it's good for your gut. Is it a soft drink? Yeah. It's like a, uh, what are they? What's probiotics. The probiotics in it. It's been like fermented. Yeah. Oh. It's like a, and it's good Le- for your gut health. Lena, no. Sounds expensive. Lena, is that expensive? Sounds expensive. Oh, it's, it's, man, it's, it ain't seven, it's a 700 ml bottle. It'll be eight bucks. 750. Seven dollar fifty for that bottle. You, you wait for it to go thirty percent off or fifty percent off yeah. at the supermarket, then you load up. Red Bull's five. That's it. <laughs> they only put the dodgy flavours on. So Doesn't like, matter. Red you Bull's load about up. twenty bucks a litre. You know what I mean? It ain't cheap gear, man. The old Red Bull. I'm going to ask you this, and this is you know oh, what? I am. I am. I am. I'm going to throw my wife under the bus. She always has a go at me. You know when you're at the supermarket and you see the two for one? She goes, "They're sucking you in. You're going to buy two. I go, "Danny, but we're saving in the long run." Yes. Like you buy two toothpaste for one. Why wouldn't you buy? Why wouldn't you get the Making two for money, one? Making money, man. I agree. Making money. Making she reckons it's a, a trap for you to buy more. Let it let it sit on the shelf. No matter. If you're going to use it, if you're going to use it, and you and you're not going to increase your use of it because you have it. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm not going to brush my three times a day. I'm still going to stick two. Makes yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I try and explain it to her. Same as toilet paper. If it's a two for one or a fifty percent off, you go for I it. I think you're making money. Yeah. Oh, I'd say I look at it. I can't believe Danny's not a. I get what Danny's saying. It's a marketing move, but I think if you do it well. Danny's he, just, yeah. what, what's the word, doesn't like being schooled into something. So it's more <laughs> like, more pissed off that, she's, that she knows what they're doing. Yeah, rather yeah than but we're winning. Unappreciating the savings, you know but, what I mean? But you're winning at you it. That's winning. why I'm, yeah. No, well, Red Bull's the perfect example, right? Like, I don't, I never buy one can at a time. Like, that just makes no. zero sense at all, man. Well, it's like, a, try, try buying a six-pack of beer. Jeepers. Yeah, 20 bucks, 24 expensive? bucks. And a slab's fitty. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Right. Terrible. So I guess get on the red bull. Gets bought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I am get the, the butcher. butcher. Report back. I'm going to put it here. By the end of the year, I, I want to be a non-red bull drinker because I reckon for the best part of ten years I've drunk and so that's a big one. It's a yeah. big year. It's going to be big. Pete's going to do the splits on the table <laughs> when he's got mobility. You're going to stop drinking red bull. I reckon if I can do that, it'd be a success. Beauty. All right, boys. I'm glad we got through that. Great work. Get that out of him. Nice lads. Well, we'll get into it. Yeah. Get into it. Welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. We're the little fish and we speak to the big fish about town each and every week. Like, share, subscribe. Anyone that's got to get value, crack it today, boys. And again, mate, 80% of you out there or 75% aren't oh, hitting up. the like, like or subscribe button. Please, guys, the sooner you do that, the bigger the guest will be. Bet we've got a great yeah, guest today. He's a good friend of mine as well. Amazing, yes. amazing guests and amazing stories. We'll we'll unpack it. This is a wild one, man. This is yeah. this is a good story. I was at the start of this story. Were you really? Yeah. So did it's, you know each well, you're other? Taking credit? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Yeah. I've seen this business grow. <laughs> yeah. To okay. where it is now, it's incredible. Well, you, do, did it. you know each other before? Not properly, no. Okay, cool. And it sounds like they're just getting started. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Today's guest, CEO, co-founder of the fastest-growing window furnitures, re- window furnishes, furnishings, furnishings. I'm going to start that again. <laughs> Go again, mate. Let's get into it, guys. Today's guest, CEO, co-founder of the fastest-growing window furnishings retailer in the country. Mm. A title he puts down to one disruptive move, mm. making the purchase process purely digital. Mm. Coming from the world of superannuation. Our next guest's ability to spot a gap in the market saw him ride the monster COVID wave right through COVID, coming out the other end with a $100 million e-commerce business. <laughs> That's crazy, oh, no. That's Talking wild. numbers, boys. The, hundred, the big hundred. The hundred. hundred mil. Wow. Yeah. Right, dude. Following substantial funding from the Australian Business Growth Fund, he's now gearing up for a B2B expansion that'll see the commercial businesses reap the benefits of a leaner business model. 
Give it up for co-founder of DIY Blinds, Evan Montero. Ev. Thanks, Welcome, mate. buddy. Good to see you, buddy. And I use DIY on all of our projects. Every yeah, project we use these guys. I learned something this morning as well. We had, uh, yeah. I walked into our office and Claire turned around and said, she was pretty pumped. She's like, oh, I can't come up for the shoot. I'm busy with the DIY guys coming. She uses you guys. Oh, yeah. Fellas, that intro. Oh, I'm hyped. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there you go. Give whoever doesn't. Claire. Anyway. Oh, the, no. the intros. Oh, shit. I'm a bit oh, rusty. Sorry. I'm a bit Jeez. rusty. But no, no. Yeah. Thanks, Evan. That's, uh, mate, it's... Uh, they're easy to write them when there's a bit to write about. Oh, Millie, Millie Lister. Millie does. What well Millie? Yes, mental blank. Uh, amazing, amazing, Evan. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for the invite. It's, uh, it's a ripper story. Love the whole started with a job, nine to five, superannuation. And my fair to assume superannuation isn't sort of edgy your seat type stuff. <laughs> no, not at all. Rockstar. Um, <laughs> we went from supernatural into the very sexy industry of blind shutters. Uh, I actually have a running gag where um, anyone asks me how do I get into window furnishings. It's kind of like how my wife found, uh, picked me as a husband. Yep. I wasn't her first choice. <laughs> um, but she saw great potential. But she's incredibly happy. Yeah. <laughs> and so am I. Um, uh, Window furnishings came about because we were in superannuation. We actually had the dream. So Liam uh, is my co-founder and partner within the business and has uh, been pivotal to everything that we've done so far. Um, we both worked in superannuation. We were in First State Super together. Yep. We got paid a lot of money mm. to not do a lot, which sounds ideal. But then you kind of get a little bit restless. And during those days, six years ago, uh, side hustle was a big thing. Yeah. So we actually tried to start up two different businesses. One of them was a mortgage comparison website called Rate Sniper, and the other one was DIY Online Blinds, prior to us re renaming ourselves to DIY Blinds. And it was DIY Online Blinds that just absolutely took off. We wanted to do something that was digitally disruptive, and DIY Blinds just absolutely um, kicked it out of the park, which gave us a lot of confidence to take that step and quit our full-time jobs. Yeah. And do this full time. Were you drop shipping though? Like, how do you just launch a DIY joint, uh, DIY blind place in parallel? What was the other one? Uh, the, oh, the comparison, right? So, so, in my mind, I'm going the comparison one. I understand you can just whap <coughs> website, bit of an algorithm or whatever. DIY blind, you need operations, you need uh, pick and pack and all product, that, product and all of that stuff. Yeah. So, how do you do that as a side hustle and test it out? <laughs> yeah, no, great question. We had some knowledge of the industry and we had some connections within the industry and we definitely don't drop ship. That's definitely half of uh, the competitors on actually most of the people online where they just drop ship, uh, they import, it goes to your house. That's yeah. not us. Everything we do is custom made here in Australia and that's part of our secret recipe. We've zigged when everyone zagged. So we only sell Australian made and we're pushing designer quality that you would normally find in a brick and mortar store mm. um, who sell premium quality. The guys online sell more imported products with inferior qualities, usually fraying straight out of the box. Now that's where we differentiate. We don't push on price, we push on quality. It's taken a while to build that, but we're really proud of where we're at. And that's the reason why I got to meet the lovely Dan um, and Danny. And they, they found our products really good, not only for their projects, but for their customers' projects. And these guys don't do little projects. They don't do um, you know, mass-produced mass homes. They do pretty high-end. They do, high exactly. Yeah. If, you've, mm. if you've got past <laughs> the sniff test of Danny, <laughs> oh, I know, that's yeah, yeah. Must be quality. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing all right. Which is why I've got the next question, Ev. What, like, what made you choose DIY blinds? Because a lot of people associate DIY cheap. with cheap. Great so question. It's, quite, it's an interesting... Yeah. Great question. Um, 
sometimes there's a bit of naivety when you start a business, but the DIY blinds for us, we thought that we could actually just capture people's attention on Google, right? right. And it was an easy one for us to kind of grow um, that space. That so is that a DIY search term? Is that yeah, I was going to say, was that domain available or did you have to pay a premium for it off someone else off that, privately? That particular domain wasn't available. Yeah. We had DIY online blinds. Yep. And as soon as the DIY blinds domain became available, we absolutely grabbed mm. that and, and went full ham. Um, just to touch on it, I might start with our strategy, our business strategy yes. as to what we actually do and, and why we've been able to have the success that we've had. Mm. And I'm quite proud of that strategy because it hasn't really shifted since we started. And the strategy really relies around digital disruption. We look at a very antiquated and analog way of selling window furnishings, which is through brick and mortar stores, uh, which you know has a lot of expenses. Mm. And a sales engine traditionally that is done via commission-led sales, which doesn't always lead to really good behavior from a sales perspective because customers are just given what's going to pay the most commissions. Um, so we said, if we create a really disruptive business model and change how people are buying window furnishings currently, we should be able to have substantially lower operating costs than everyone else in the market, mm. which allows us to have substantially lower prices than everyone else in the market mm. without compromising on quality, quality yeah. and service. So that's where we've invested all of our money originally um, was definitely on the uh, quality and the service of our products. And it definitely wasn't dropship. We partnered up with Australian local manufacturers who supported us. And we absolutely just went and focused on that because it's very easy to get imported products, but then you're sacrificing on quality and then your lead times just mm. blow out. But did you do that straight out of the gate? Because the thing I can't wrap my head around is like you're doing it as a side hustle you know and mostly you know we talk all the time on the podcast about mvps and most vi uh, minimum viable product i just don't understand how you can do that when you have to go and put together supply chain packet like there's so many moving parts to launch a business like this you guys did it as a side hustle yep. to check if it worked you know <laughs> what i mean and not only to check yeah. if it worked the easiest way to check if it worked would be to drop ship that's yeah. the the least risk it is, but it's also sometimes, um, actually, it's a good segue. We focus on the problem. We focus on the customer and creating customer value. And I think that's something that we hang our hat on that has created a lot of uh, value in the business and created a lot of customer value for those who are buying from us. By focusing on the problem, e.g., how do we get quality window furnishings quickly, fast, and at a really good price, dropshipping just was quickly ruled out. Mm. Dropshipping means like long lead times. Six to eight weeks, yeah, yeah. Six to eight weeks, 11 weeks for things that are custom made as well, being boated over usually from overseas mm. um, so we said Australia made allows us to have really good quality so we get plantation shutters for example made in seven days we sell it at 370 square meter and it's it's the 20-year warranty amazing quality fast mm. lead time um, to give you an example other people who are making shutters uh, Australian made similar quality and warranty would be like your Luxaflex's polysatin they sell at around that 700 square meter mark and Half. again correct double the price they are and they take what twice as long to get they're, they're at seven weeks, seven but then weeks. the other people who are importing are sitting at six, eight, 11 weeks. Mm. They're selling, so we're negligibly more expensive or even at parts cheaper than those who are drop shipping, than those who are also just getting products imported. But see, that's because we didn't focus on just trying to grow a business and build something. We genuinely focus on the problem. The problem How yeah. can we provide window furnishings, leveraging our, our, what we thought would be a really great business model and, and doing that. So we came into this industry and we haven't made blinds, curtains and shutters any better than what they are. What we have done is similar to what Netflix did with Blockbuster. We have made window furnishings more accessible and affordable to the broader market. Mm. Similar to how Netflix has made content more um, you know, affordable and uh, convenient 
for the broader market when it comes to content compared to Blockbuster where you have to walk into the store. You have to drive to the store, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get mm. late fees and all that kind of stuff. But you and have to get your ice cream and that from Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> your chop yeah. top. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting that you've just focused on the problem, um, you know, and your product is probably, like you're saying, aligned with what else is out there, but it's a convenience thing. Absolutely. More accessible. It's, it's online. Um, and absolutely, COVID helped us. Yeah. COVID gave us a lot of headwinds when people were locked at home. The focus was on how they lift that home, but they also couldn't necessarily get out to those showrooms. So it, buyer behavior, I think, evolved. 10 years of evolution happened in that two-year window gap. Mm. But what I'm really proud of is that our growth hasn't stopped. So a lot of other e-commerces have slowed or stopped or gone backwards around that February mark 22. We've continued to grow, which I think is, speaks volumes about the value that we're creating for our customers. Yeah, it, it's it's just it's changing, just changing the way you buy mm. lines. Just dis- like you said, disruptive. disruptive. The, yeah, o- the only if the only con I would have seen at the start is with the bricks and mortar. People might want to go and touch the fabric, feel the fabric, see yeah. the shutter. That's probably how does like it. Obviously, doesn't matter because the clients are still coming online. No, it, it does matter. You hit a good pain point for us that we have to solve. So what we do is we actually provide 24 free samples that people can go on to our website and choose and we express post it to them for free. Oh, I heard that this morning. Yeah, so your sister was telling me, that's yeah. what she was telling me. She's going, oh, and they send you samples, you just let them know. So that's, yeah. yeah that's the magic. That's yeah. the magic, yep. And it's free. Other people charge for it yeah. and all the rest yeah. of it and we choose designer quality of fabrics and make sure that everything's right. So free samples. And then another part, because it's tactile, you want to make sure it's the right mm, color. Right. Right. Send mm. it to your designers like Danny and make sure she's 100% <laughs> confident with the selection. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in terms of uh, being called DIY blinds and negative connotation and quality and being able to go to a showroom, we've actually created an image uh, online showroom. So we've collated a bunch of images of uh, projects that we've worked on, houses that we've transformed. And you can go there and look room by room, fabric by fabric. Say, I want to look at all the rooms you've transformed based on this fabric and see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, and that's been amazing. I think that's more valuable than a showroom because you generally mm. go into a showroom and it's little products. And if it's not the right yeah. color for you, it's hard to visualize. Um, yeah, so I think that's how we've tackled those two pain points. Yeah, nice. And if, for those who haven't seen, they should go on um, DIY website, look at some of those projects. A couple of might be familiar. <laughs> <laughs> some of my favourites. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to touch on that, Ever. So I, I feel like you guys were very strategic with your social media influence. You picked certain people who do good projects and you've collaborated with them on, on that. Yeah, no, look... look. Social media has been a pillar of our success, absolutely. Um, but I've done social media differently. Uh, I don't try and partner up with influencers as such. I try and partner up with people who have authority within that space, e.g. you and Danny, because you've built up, I mean, you're, you're the, the block's foreman. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when influencers come to me and say, I want free products, which is generally how that works, yeah. I'll, pay I'll pay me for product. Yeah. I, I just say no. 99% of the time, depending on their reach and what they can do for us. Uh, and the reason for that is because I want the experience to be authentic. Mm-hmm. I want people to be able to find value in us, not because someone's saying and being paid to say it. And yeah. that's where we've been strategic with all of us, uh, who we partner mm-hmm. up with. And I'm really fortunate, like the people we partnered up with day one, e.g. Dan and Danny, we still work with today. Yep. And the introductions that we've got from them and the, the work that we've been able to do together, yeah. it's reflective of our entire customer base having grown. Yeah. Authentic, oh, authentic's the key, isn't it? I think, yeah. the, I think the consumer can nearly see through can that see through type spec- of Absolutely. branding these Well, days. that influencer stuff's overdone now, isn't it? People are starting to realise that they're that just Kim doing it. Kardashian actually yeah. doesn't use they that They don't product. use it. Yeah. 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 And I think for us, like we pass, our, all of our clients pretty much use DIY now as well. Like we part, put that part of our package yep. in the quote. So my question would be with you two guys, you were saying you partnered way back at the start. So how did that relationship form? 
Um, it formed by, I suppose, uh, us working with other block contestants, but also Dan was definitely on my radar because of what he was doing on the show and Danny had him create her own interior design business. Mm. What was it? Red Door was yeah. the first one before yeah. Manimate and Manimate's amazing. Um, for us, it was just trying to work with them because we really loved and resonated with the brand that they were creating. Yeah. And we knew that yeah. if we could kind of leverage some of that brand equity and some of that authority within that space, it would help us combat that mm. misconception that DIY ah. is sometimes of a lower quality. Because as you know, you've been talking about how um, picky, I love you, Danny, picky Danny can be <laughs> because she's got such a refined mm. taste. Yeah. I know that if I can satisfy her as a designer, mm. yeah. right? You're pretty good. I yeah. agree, yeah. yeah. On, set, on every project we've done, pretty much. Yeah. So, so. so just backing over the DIY blind thing and that negative connotation to a sort of value sort of thing, when you picked DIY blinds, did you guys realize that did you go did the strategy change a little bit because picking diy blinds to do the strategy that you've done doesn't necessarily make a hell of a lot of sense so did it change a little bit or is it because the domain was so uh because there was search and stuff like that you're just like okay we're gonna have to go to the diy we're gonna jump on the back of this search then we'll do the social strategy to to sort of grow that a bit does no, that make ben, sense that's a great question it the strategy didn't change but it definitely evolved we definitely under we were naive in terms of that negative connotations at the start. However, again, with problems, if you can solve it, you're able to build moats around your business because other people who would try to copy you will also face the same problems. Mm -hmm. um, and how we did it was actually, again, partnering with the right people, yeah. capturing images of that content or encouraging others to capture images of that uh, project that we've done and then sharing it. And it's been a hard slog or a slow slog in terms of building that reputation. But you know, we've won product review I think it's like mm. four years in a row um, as the top window finishings uh, and product reviews where people obviously go out and tell you other forums um, and customers and word of mouth has grown. And I'm glad that we built that business that way rather than through just Google ads and performance mm. marketing, which I, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of. I believe that if you are creating amazing customer value and that's your focus as a business, you've got to trust that the consumer is smart enough to find you and yep. discover you. Um, and that's what's, that's what's happened along the way. Yeah, that's awesome. What blows my mind, Evan, is that, you know, the, the guys before you that were the bricks and mortar shops didn't think of this or implement this earlier. Yeah. And they must be kicking themselves now when they, you know, we just heard 100 mil business valued at. Um, it's, you probably can't answer that, but I'm just, <laughs> my, that's where my mind's going. Like, I'll answer that question in, in two ways. If you look at a GFC model, which, which I love, um, it's good, fast and cheap. And you, let's talk about builders. Mm. You find builders and they can either be good and fast, but they're sure as hell not going to be cheap. Mm. You can find a cheap and fast builder, but you're sure as hell they're not going to be good. And <laughs> let me just say, if you want to find out how expensive a build can be, hire the cheapest builder. Right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on that, what we've done is we've gone Australian made when everyone's trying to cut yeah. down costs and go import online. Um, and then the brick and mortar stores are selling the design of quality, but incre incredibly high price point. So we've gone good, Australian made. Fast lead times because everything's made in Australia, nothing's imported overseas and we've got a really strong relationship with our suppliers. So we're good and fast. And although we're cheap, we're not definitely um, low quality, more so that we've got a best price guarantee and it's very hard with our disruptive business model for people to have our same price points. For them to have our same mm. price points, they'd be almost selling at cost or lower than cost. Yes. So we're good, fast and cheap. But on top of that, because of our ability to invest um, money that would normally go towards your brick and mortar stores and other marketing things, we focus on customer service. So we have over 60 design consultants who help customers out who are going through the website if they've got any questions to solve aesthetics, functionality, such as privacy, light control, and go through that, that journey with them. Yeah. Um, and that's what's, I think, uh, done that really well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. 
Yeah, how good is that? Evan, going back to when you took the jump to, you know, leave your job and that sort of stuff, what was that time like? You know, you're talking scary. about your partner early yeah, on. Scary. Like you said, you were getting paid a lot of money to do not much. So, so your work-life balance was probably really good and you're getting paid a lot of money <laughs> and now you've gone into, you know, you took a risk to something that, you know, you're confident would work, but not to mention the hours you're probably putting in, you weren't at home as much. Like, how was that? And, you know, what about your partner? Like, what did, you know? Which, um, yeah, and also, maybe you can talk about your honeymoon as well and things like that. Yeah. And can I say, and at any point when the chips were in, were you worried they weren't? Was there a time when you didn't think they were going to come back? I think because the business model and the innovative approach to how we tackled things, it, it really showed fruit probably in year two. So we were already, pro like, not crazily profitable, but we were able to put food on the table. And we were bootstrapped and we owned 100% of the business. And I'll touch on that later in terms of why I think that's important. Yeah. Um, and then when we transitioned from full-time work to then starting up a startup and, you know, your incomes depend on how that, that business performs and you've got to factor in a longer lead time, look at your savings, how long can you go for, all the rest of it. Your, your runway. Your runway, yeah. yeah. Um, that's scary. It, it is, is scary. scary. <laughs> you can have a strong conviction and idea, but until you've proven it and get it to a certain level, yeah. you have to have a lot of faith. One key thing is making sure you, if you do go into a partnership that you, it's, it's, you guys have complementary skill sets yes. and that you're able to add value to the business uh, together and that you're able to work well <laughs> together. Um, and, and I couldn't be more thankful for, for, for Liam on that part. Um, that transition was scary, but at the same time, the only thing that I, like, although it was scary, although it was hard and although it was daunting, I look at it now and the only question I ask myself in reflection and retrospect is why didn't we do it sooner? Mm. That's, that's the hindsight. There are sacrifices that you've got to make um, given that all your capital and all your savings goes towards the business. Me and my wife um, have only just had our honeymoon six years later uh, in January. We went to, to the Maldives with our little one, our little <laughs> two-year-old. Um, we had a little bit of a honeymoon when we first got married, but definitely not what we had imagined mm. or dreamed of. We just couldn't mm. afford it. Dude, these days and you could borrow time. the Maldives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, not quite. But yeah. <laughs> Welcome home, honey. <laughs> Yeah. But that's sacrifice of starting up something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like you've got married, you don't have the, you, know, you probably could have gone on the honeymoon, but you needed that money to help the business. Or, What's your wife's yeah. name? Uh, Hien. Hien. What a legend for her. Like I can't imagine there's too many uh, recently married or brides yeah. that are given the honeymoon their because their we're going to start a blind company. <laughs> yeah, it's a blind yeah. company. Yeah. Yeah. Six years later, I reckon you did a few snowboard trips in between them. Just quietly. Just invited me on a few. <laughs> More recently, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Which I invited him to and he declined, but it's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Busy boy, our Dan. Busy yes. boy. But no, that's, that's awesome to hear and it's awesome to hear the sacrifices that mm. go on as well. I think some people sort of, you know, hear, you know, revenue of 44 hundred million dollar company and sort of it's all rainbows through that but there is sacrifice there is mm. risk there is stressful times and sleepless nights you know to get to this point where you are today yeah look there's a lot of work a lot of long hours and um a lot of all-nighters that mm. went into that and i think um the sacrifice can't be can't be emphasized enough especially for someone considering to do a startup especially in this current economic climate and uncertainty but if you find something you have a strong conviction in it Yep. maybe try it as a side hustle first and then if it starts to prove itself then go into it full time but do it knowing that it's going to be a hard slog the first few years anyone you speak to with a successful business can tell you um, mm. about that, that journey mm. and you have to be so passionate you have to be so driven and obsessed that you found the problem that you think you have a solution for that consumers will value to the point that they're going to pull money out of their wallet give it to you for that solution and then go tell all their friends and families mm. that you've got word of mouth yeah. getting to that stage 
is, is euphoric. <laughs> but still trying to figure that out, iterate and get it right. It's going to be a lot of hard work and you need, to, you need to be going into that eyes wide open. Otherwise you won't make it and you're just wasting, wasting your time and energy and resources. Yeah, you're going to get smashed along the way. Mm. Get ready for it. Hey, Ev. Yeah. Would you be comfortable like, so six years you guys have been going. So just to try and get some uh, context around how you get to 100 million in, is it 100 million in rev? Valuation. Valuation. Sorry, valuation. Is it 40 million rev? 44 rev. Yeah, 44. So what did that roughly look the first year into the second year? What was the the growth rate like? Do you know what I mean? And and what point did it just go? And you said you were quite profitable profitable earlier, early, which isn't always the case. So it sounds like a fantastic model. Yeah, look, we went from, um, what, uh, FY20, it was at around seven or eight mil, 21, 22 mil in sales. And then- So FY22, from seven, eight to 21. Yeah. Jesus. But let's, um, the, the key here was we didn't chase that growth and that glory. And I think um, we focus on the problem. It takes a lot of courage and patience to focus on the business the infrastructure and testing a lot of the different hypotheses, building a lot of different infrastructure in the background, even just the website. Mm-hmm. Your website's beautiful as well, man. It's as good as they come. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It, it's um, it's taken a lot of patience. And we've done that intentionally and so it's paid you, off. So dividends. you went slow, Evan. Is that Correct. what you're saying? During yeah. COVID, we, we couldn't answer enough phone calls and emails and that's the majority of the complaints is that we weren't able to get back to customers. But you, you, you grow too quickly, then mm. you kind of uh, put at brand uh, put at risk your brand, yes. and also you're not able to go and service those customers properly. And when I say we, we didn't want to grow, um, I've got I've got uh, I'm, we're currently hiring CFOs, and one of the proof points for product differentiation and how special our product is is our advertising spend. So when we did twenty two million dollars in sales, we only spent six hundred and fifty thousand dollars in total advertising. That's your Google ads, your social media ads, and all the rest of it. When, did, when we did $44 million in, in revenue in FY22, we spent a total of $2 million in total advertising revenue, Google ads, your social media, wow. and whatnot. Um, so where other startups are spending anywhere from 20 to 50% mm. of their sales revenue um, going towards marketing your costs. Do you know your CAC, yeah. your customer acquisition cost? It's quite low. Um, it's below $50. Uh, wow. It's commercially sensitive. Uh, on those samples that we send out, the conversion rate's 50%. Dead set yeah, from sending those samples. I was about that's to say, not, that's the money. Yeah. Something lands on your desk and you touch and feel it, mm. that's when you're signing the Well, the especially order, if you're board. passionate about the product and you know you've got the best product mm. at the, the market price. Yeah. But see, but that didn't happen by accident. It's yeah. because we focus on the problem. And I can't emphasize this yeah. for anyone in a new business. Mm. You really need to be making sure that you're driving customer value. Yeah. Uh, you can chase growth and you can kind of chase, I need new customers, I need new customers. Look, when you start up a business, it's usually two things that you need to do generally. You need to find customers and then you need to do the work. I think too much emphasis is around performance marketing, especially in the e-com space, to find the customers and yeah. not enough emphasis on doing the work and doing the work well. We yeah. worked in reverse mm-hmm. and it's paid off. Finding the pain points. And, and one so of those big pain points was, great, you're online. Hmm. How do I touch and feel? I'm going to walk past this sheer curtain every day i need to make sure it's the, the grouse yeah or, the, or so there's when, other people online but it's littered with inferior products really really long lead yes. times or it's all imported not australian made so that's some of the things and the nuances that we discovered over time and that we solve for and then even if someone comes across you online you said you had to had to you know you had the diy challenge saw you online what is the product you get the get the product to them and it's and it's quality that's sort of Game, it was game over at word that of point. Mouth. So we yeah. grew quite organically, right, yeah. based on those advertising spends. Yeah. Um, and although we're called DIY Blinds, I want to touch on this. 
we offer measuring install services. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I so can't imagine old mates installing nah, his own nails. <laughs> no, nah, we get the guys out, they measure up. Yeah, Eb's yeah, done a few measures for me as well. well. Yeah, we've yeah. been on the tools and well, we've the done going Yeah, he's come out to the site and measured a few times. Hopefully I got them right. No, you got them all right, mate. There's um, there's an exciting thing when you start up a business. You're definitely wearing multiple hats. And I might <laughs> talk about the transition that we're now at since we've got that funding. Yeah. Um, where we have got a middle management team now that's quite well established. We're looking for an executive team. We've got governance and a board. And we've got really, really clever people around us to help navigate what infrastructure we need to make sure that we're able to meet demand. So in the past, prior to getting funding, it was all about making sure that um, you know, the sales this month is going to be able to pay the invoices the last two months. Or you might do some forecasting and planning, but you can't really plan more than three to six months realistically. Um, so then now that we're at the stage where we can kind of plan out one year, three years, five years, and how we can kind of have a very clear roadmap to 10 to 20% market share and become a category killer. So that's that's our focus right now, and that's category what we killer. Do. That's, oh, yeah, that's a good that. term, isn't it? So what are the other dudes doing? I'm not going to say the name, but I I know or I met because I was a shop fitter back in the day, and I met the founder of a, one of your competitors. What are they doing? Sleep sleeping at the wheel because he he's based out in um, Broadmeadows, I think. Um, and he was online back then. Like, it wasn't like set up in a way like what you're taught. That it certainly wasn't, you know. But he was definitely early and online. We're talking eight years ago, yep. seven, eight, maybe even nine years ago. What happened? Was they he, must have fallen asleep at the wheel. Was he online and have a retail store? He was online and I went to his uh, factory. Yeah, I don't think he, he did not have a uh, – he didn't. He had a factory in uh, – Thomastown or some, somewhere yeah. over that way. But a shop front as well? Yeah. No shop front. No shop front. Just the factory though. He was yeah, had the factory. Direct, Definitely had a factory because I went to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I asked that... He didn't that, solve the problem, Eddie. Yeah, mm. that's, that's exactly it. He didn't solve yeah. the problem. He had multiple problems to solve because he was at the factory, he's manufacturing and then he's also retailing online. He's, he's got different lenses, right? Where we have no legacy when we started this business. Yep. We started from scratch going, forget how things are, are normally done. Yep. How can they be done? So for example... Um, a lot of your bigger brick and mortar stores have 30 to 40 stores ar around Australia. Mm, They've got nice. 10 by 10 year leases in high foot traffic cool. areas. To try and pivot that business entirely online is going to be very difficult. And that's yeah. one of the defendable positions that we've got. And they might go online, which a few of them have, but how, can they do it with their entire conviction? Can they do it with all of their might and resources and can they actually commit to that? Or are they trying to do an MVP thing? Yeah. It's always going to be outweighed with what's driving revenue, which is their brick and mortar stores. That's one. Two, one of the biggest things that we discovered early on that, that allowed us to have confidence to move into this space was that the, the market's fragmented. It was due for disruption. Things were so analog. People were still faxing measurements to the factory um, to get <laughs> things made. And we knew that we could digitalize the process mm. and just make things so much more efficient as well as condensing the supply chain. But back to the fragmented market, there's a lot of multi-generational companies out there that I think aren't challenged. I think that there's a lot of um, fragmented people where they're just uh, solo operators or backyard backyard operators probably a bit rough but they might have a little bit of manufacturing in the in their garage and then they also retail and they might do their installation so that they capped at how much they can grow it was just due for disruption all of the the, the markers for digital disruption just made us so excited and are you a tech guy because i go back back over the website because i'm a bit of a, a you know web kind of guy i suppose i don't know what you call it but your website is insane like it's a really clean well laid out like it's it's there's levels you go and look at other blind websites and then you look at yours and it's clearly a different so how, how did you get there like because someone's got to be able to see that to be able to 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 request it to execute it does that make sense 
is, are you the guy? Are you the one that's... Visionary? Should, or, you the, uh, look, yeah, um, do you know what I mean? To, to be able to deliver at that level. I've got an amazing team. I'm not going to take credit for what they've done. Um, but when you here. started though, Ev, there was only two of you, right? I did the design. But let me tell you, the design did not look like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we stayed up all night with the developers overseas to try and get it built. Yep. And let me tell you, design one thing and what they build is never usually... <laughs> <where I'm laughs> and it pains me. It's excruciating to see our original designs. However, <laughs> all the learnings, and we were able to, again, because there was no legacy, we didn't have to do quarterly yeah. reports. Um, we were able to iterate so quickly from all the learnings in real time. So customer found this difficult. All right, let's solve that. Customer couldn't understand why they need to put their width and drop measurements. Well, it's custom made. Um, the, what are componentries? Let's educate them on that. So that is a product of six years of us understanding of, the buyer behavior yep. and understanding the pain points that they will run into and solving it prior to them running into it as well as providing the educational piece. E.g., when you're buying window furnishings, don't just solve for aesthetics. You need to think about thermal insulation, light control, privacy, and all those other good yeah. stuff. Hmm. There's a lot into it. Ev, can you explain a bit, a little bit about this? Um, was it a grant or what, what did oh, you receive? Yeah. yeah. Um, so ABGF is Australian Business Growth Fund. They are fantastic. Um, Sorry, what are they? Yeah, what what is was it? that again? Australian Business Growth Fund. Okay. Um, we were looking at, at funding. There's a lot of multinationals that approached us to say, can we invest? Can we buy half the business? Can we buy the whole business? Um, there was a lot of investment bankers, especially during that COVID period where all the e-coms were booming. Uh, and is that juice? Sorry, just on that, was, it, was there enough there to go, you know what, oh, let's no. take half out and have fun? Yeah, no, um, great question. <laughs> let's come yeah, back to it. Definitely there's more temptation, but no. And that's around the where some people go into this startup and they think, getting funding is the eureka like it's the moment it's like amazing i've been validated <laughs> and i want to question that <laughs> i think it's been sensationalized on tv and other startup stories yep. getting funding early if you don't need to i think is the biggest mistake you can ever make because you are giving up equity into your business that has not maximized its its, its value mm. if you believe that you're creating a business that's going to create value for the end customer you, you should be waiting to get that investment later on. If you possible. can self-fund yeah. it, if you can kind of bootstrap it or if you can do it slower, do it. Because I promise you, if you think you're, you've got, you're onto something, all you're doing is giving up the value at the end. So ABGF is a minority investor, to answer your question. Um, they're funded by the federal government plus the big four banks and a couple of two other smaller banks. And although we were approached by so many people, we were in a fortunate position to not need funding. We were already profitable. Um, but why ABGF was so attractive is because it wasn't just a blank check that they were giving us or a check that they were giving us. It was the people behind the check. Mm. We were able to be, they, we had value alignment, cultural alignment. They, they invested not in only the business, but Liam and myself's vision. And they, um, McKinsey level thinkers, they are able to create a board and governance around us. And they're not like your typical, they're long-term investors as well. They got a five-way um, view on things as opposed to a PE fund or a venture capitalist who just might want to flip again, look yeah. to flip you again and yep. again to get, to get value. And I think that's super important. I cannot emphasize enough, um, and I harp on about this, but I think it's so important for people to hear. You don't need to get an investment early unless you absolutely need unless to. you have to. Strategically. Mm. I, just, I think it's silly. Imagine if you gave up, if I gave up more of this equity, how much of that $100 million would I actually mm. have attributed to my name or would I own as equity? Yeah. And that's the reason why we've just started. You alluded to in the intro, which I love. We've created a home pro. So all the, the things that have made us attractive, good, fast, um, amazing quality, lead times and prices for the mum and dad market, we know that we can also resonate with the commercial market and mm. we've been working with so many amazing designers, architects and builders who are already buying from us. Um, 
we know that we just need to provide a different brand because they're not going to resonate with our blinds. And we also know that we need to provide them a relationship managed type sales engine as opposed to a transactional sales engine. And we're building that and we're excited about that future growth. Yeah, how amazing is that? I'd, I guess I'll just touch on that. Like, you you know, you're putting that middle management around that executive level management. You're employing a chief financial officer. You're talking about one year, three year, five year growth. We're at 44 million rev. Where are we going? <laughs> 100, 100 mil valuation? 100 mil. Um, great question. Some of that's commercially sensitive, but we're quite confident that if we hit, hit plan, you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't be looking at that 60 mil mark for FY23. Yep. And then beyond there... Um, well, what do you need to hit to get that 20% mark, Joe? Uh, roughly. Roughly? Yeah. Uh, you're probably looking at around that $200 million mark. And who, who holds the biggest uh, Assuming share? Assuming TAM is $2 billion. We don't want to say who they are. Oh, we don't advertise, mate. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, good yeah, point. yeah. That's a good point. Um, we're, we're either we're up there. I reckon we're one, two, or three because no one really is quite um, open with their financials. A lot of the big guys are either privately owned or owned underneath a, a larger multinational, so reporting lines and all that's not necessarily visible. But we're on our way, and our growth trajectory and advertising spend kind of speaks volumes about the opportunity that we've got, yeah. the value creation for mm. the customer, which we've been obsessed about, <clears> and how that's going to create shareholder value from our perspective because that is going to happen with time and with patience like we have done the last six years. Mm. We're not about trying to just, you know, get rich quick. It's not yeah. not the way. Which which leads me to my next question, Ev. Like, if I'm in your shoes, I'm looking to get out, to be honest, and just <laughs> live a really good life. But I can see you guys are global thinkers. Is Australia too small? <laughs> you don't have to answer. But That's a good like, question. Like, I just feel like there's only 25 mil here. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people overseas. Oh, yeah, look. Is, any, and is anyone doing this? Have you scoped? There are, but again, I don't think they have the same nuance or flavor that we do and or the website or the social media side of the marketing engine that we have. To answer your question without giving away too much, there's definitely conversations being had. Like I started um, saying earlier, prior to getting um, Australian Business Growth Fund on board as, as a minority investor, um, there were already multinationals chatting to us and those mm. conversations are, are ongoing. And because we've got middle management and executive team and all that good stuff, we're able to now be able to not necessarily work in the business as much and work mm. on the business and, and explore those opportunities. And for me, one of my biggest focus is, right, where can I find growth? What markets should we be entering? And how can we actually make sure that we are sustainable in that growth? And, you know, if that's cross borders then then so be it yeah it just it took me way back to i remember when michael ramsey came on and um one of the founders of f45 said it's great to start a business here in australia get it right and then you take it to the world which i feel is what what's yeah. happening in front mm. of us here i thought you were going to say the rams you're going to try and invest Hollywood. <laughs> no, 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 no. but i just, I just remember i yeah, remember yeah, them saying yeah, that yeah i remember on. as well yeah. you're spot on and, and, here, and refine I, it I would, here, then head overseas. I would argue Hollywood. I don't reckon you'd sell because you're going. You're enjoying Sounds the journey, like right? So much upside here, man. Because well, like, you think about the money, right? You've got ten mil, or you've got a hundred mil. You can't buy anything different. Like once oh, you've it's got, a bit different. Once you've it's got a super like, yacht or it's a boat. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But then you're sitting on the super yacht on your own because all your mates are yeah. fucking working, man. You yeah, know true. what I mean? Yeah. So, so no, you're right. So the journey is half the fun, right? And and you're passionate about business because going way back to the start. You and your mate in the cubicle, Liam. You didn't care what you were going to do. Mm. You did the comparison site. You did the blinds. You well, were there, just looking for a there, business. There right? was no love for blinds, by the there, sounds yeah, of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> passionate about blinds. So, so it's the journey, right? It's the, the challenge the business. and you're proving a, yourself right. All of those kinds. You're 100 percent right. Yeah. I'd probably pay to go to work, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
we have an amazing culture. We have we've put a mate like we've got an amazing team. They believe in the vision and the, they believe in executing that. And to me, what success looks like is in five years, we collectively turn around and go, "Yep, we did that. We, yeah. we disrupted the window mm. furnishings industry. We became the Netflix of of blinds. Um, the blinds and curtains <laughs> and shutters." That and for me. Um, speaking to people who've uh, come before me, people, speaking to founders and who have been very successful, they all say the same thing, right? The end is amazing and you're able to go do what, whatever you want, but as soon as you, you're there, you're fishing, you're boating, you're snowboarding, you're holidaying and all the rest of it, all your, a lot of their time is spent reminiscing about the good old days, mm. which for me, those good old days is now. Yeah, right? That's it, man. You're living the dream. Unfulfilled, yeah, man. It. Like, it's so much because you get fulfilled every day you get up, you're excited, you've got this dream and you've got this purpose, so you're fulfilled, but you've got all the money in the world, nowhere to go, no one to hang out with. You know what I mean? Like how fulfilled can you be? You know, jumping waves on a jet ski every day. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And if you can align those things, sounds right. all right. PK sounds all right. PK, all right. <laughs> PK, no, we're sold. I wouldn't. I wouldn't let. I'm coming to work with you, Evan. I wouldn't yeah. let you near me jet ski. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't throw. Oh, I think I'm gonna throw me on the hey bus. Hey guys, I got to apologise. I got to shoot Ev. That's all right. You got a meeting with the boss. I do, and What's she's it? hard boss. Yeah, I know. But mate, I want to. I want to say like DIY blinds, mate. They, everyone out there, you are great quality. We use you on all of our projects, and mate, I love that you guys are kicking goals. Uh, look, thanks for your support. We couldn't yeah. have done it without the DIY community. And honestly, you've been such a big part of that. So oh, to get you a room, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Send Danny my love. We'll do. So no, we no, to all the listeners and guests. Yeah, we're going to keep going. We're, <laughs> we're going to keep going because we're the show rolls questions. on. Show rolls. We're on. only a forty-minute mark. <laughs> good luck with your meeting, yeah, mate. Good luck, buddy. Good luck. Close that deal for us. Hopefully, you've been behaving. Big deal. I've gone to two hundred. Anyway, Evan. Can we, like, there's lots of gold in there as far as your learnings and that sort of stuff. Can we maybe put it in a bit more of a concise space on someone starting a business, what they need to focus on, um, and the tips you would give someone starting out? Like, oh, you've touched on bits and yep. pieces, but if we can sort of collate it all just so we can smack our audience right in the face with it, I think that'd be amazing. This isn't unique advice, but I think it's the most powerful if you look to start a business. Don't focus on a solution or don't focus on a product to sell. Don't focus on a service to provide. Focus on a problem to solve because I promise you if you are able to create a solution for a problem for a consumer, they're going to pull money out of their wallet and pay you fair price and value. And if you can make money out of that and they're able to go tell their friends and family how amazing that solution was, you've got a business. If you focus on the product, if you focus on the service and you're trying to kind of create something that's not adding value, you don't really have a business. And Or you do have a business, but then it's a fad or you're, you're in a very competitive space that's not unique. So that's my advice. That's great so advice. So problem, problem first. And I feel like we organically did that with our business, Pete, right? I don't feel like it was fully problem first. I don't okay. know what you think. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think no, we got no, you're there. Right. I you think know we what? got there. I think we when started we... doing something and then we started identifying the problems problem. as Correct. we went. So we, we, when we started doing it for ourselves, we started to identify a problem that other people might have should they choose to do it themselves. And, and then we provide a service that would help them through the development process. And then and that was the problem. I've been fanboying Little Fish since um, oh, probably so. three, four years. <laughs> no, well, even the, the idea and thought about um, when I first saw your content was about how to subdivide. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And this, how you can. Oh, you you <laughs> how often is it, especially with um, that generation, your baby boomer generation, in, you know, passing on their inheritance and to the kids and you're inheriting this giant block of land that hasn't been subdivided because yes. a lot of things have already been reduced. Yeah. And that topic. 
came up and I was like, mate, this is cool. More people need to see this yeah, so that right. they can actually create value through through property. Yeah. Um, rather than just selling the property to a developer who will then go and subdivide it themselves and get all the value out of it. You're actually yeah. educating people how to do that. And I, I, that's yeah. similar to what we've done. Yeah. Just trying to fix the problem because yes. they've got a problem or education. 100% and we found in our industry, um, and look, we weren't deep in the industry. We were newcomers to the industry, but our experience was that there was in different pockets of Melbourne, there were specific people that did the developments there, you know, they, whatever, and, uh, you know, little crews of people, and they kept it a secret, man. <laughs> no one shared any information. Because they would always buy the site. They'd try and get the site off there, yeah. It would be all under, un, under the darkness of night yeah it was all do- like, it like was who's all developing secrets. these things and but yeah, yeah no one had put a sign up you didn't know who bought it it was all secrecy and stuff and we experienced yeah. that and we're like oh, well, let's yeah. just give it all away man let's just teach other people because like you said there's enough for everyone and it's a good way to to build value so we just thought we can do this and in parallel we can share it with other people and they can get some value as well so we did sort of focus on value right and problem, yeah, value and problem. Problem yeah. and value, yeah. yeah and and, and it wasn't deliberate. We didn't deliberately go out and say, well, we kind of did, but it wasn't as uh, strategized as what you guys did. We kind of just right. followed our nose as we went and that was the, the direction we took. Yeah. So, Yeah, I think it was because we wanted to charge for something. We needed to figure out where the value was and the problem was <laughs> and justify <laughs> that we could charge for something. Yeah. So, but yeah, fantastic advice. Thank you. No, I think you guys have hit a hit a, an absolute pain point that people have. Again, baby boomers, people like myself who will potentially inherit a property. They're usually large blocks. Yeah, I can sell it to a developer. I can put it in auction, and the developer will then yeah. develop it. But they're the ones extracting the value. Whereas, could you hire a manimate or yourselves or whoever it is to to build it for you, develop it? But you, you and then you get the money. Yeah, give you the insights as yeah. to yeah. what the how to navigate that, what pitfalls there are, how to get through council, maximizing the bid, all that stuff, all yeah. of that stuff. And that's yeah. where I think Little Fish, um, for me, when you first started, was like amazing. It was yeah. like, this is what the, uh, yeah, definitely the market was crying out for. We appreciate it. Maybe we've found our own little yeah, gap. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I've got, I've, like Ev. Ev, man, you are super, super impressive, dude. You're like oh, the exception, that. man. The way that you started with the two thing, I was like, I, I just love that you didn't have like this thing that they go, oh, find your passion and then go and do that. <laughs> that's not where you started, Sounds right? Like, do, you know, do you want to know about what I, it? I think about passion? Yeah, <laughs> it's such fool's gold. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tell you a little yeah, bit of how well. I first started. Um, so out of high school, I went and did fine arts because I was an amazing artist when I was in high school. But I went to a very small high school. But then when I went to a university level, I realized how shit of an artist I was. <laughs> so I went from fine arts to marketing. Uh, sorry, multimedia, interactive multimedia. And then I realized there's more more of a passion. This is more of a hobby. Can I actually do this for a living and make money? Then I went into marketing, and then I went into finance. I, as soon as I graduated, I actually went into finance. So. Passion, and this is some advice I give to my nephews and nieces a lot. Passion is great, but you should be passionate about everything that you're trying to do, especially at a young age. Learn all the different skill sets. Learn everything that you can because you should look and explore so many different things. Before you settle. Finance, marketing, fine arts. That's that's me, right? Yep. And then it's only with DIY Blinds that I was able to connect all of those dots, all of those skill sets that I had collected to help me build the business. That's that's one. And it's, mate. But if I had followed my passions, I'd probably be miserable and broke. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what's one of the dangerous things, especially with the, the younger generation at the moment. Passion is an emotion. You should form discipline. You should form rigor around um, your resilience. And you should be able to do something when you're no longer passionate about it. So when you're learning something, e.g. riding a bike, 
it's bloody hard. You don't want to go very fast. But guess what happens when you get a bit of confidence and you can go fast? It's easier to balance. Yeah. That's the trade-off. And then guess when you're usually passionate about stuff? When you become good. Yeah, man. But you've got to tackle that journey of not being good Correct. to get passionate. And that's why- That's I how you get passionate. The better you get at something, the more passionate you come. And you know what? I'm pumped on this because you just said exactly what feels like happened to me. Landscaping. I was a chippy. Did online marketing. Built websites. I've done that many things. Like I'm a qualified uh, in hospitality, uh, project management, chippy, and landscaping. So I got four qualifications, right? And but to exactly what you said, it wasn't from. It was from doing all of those things that when me and Pete started this, it all just came together. I could do the website. I understood the marketing and all of that. And then what happened was. My first business was up there, Ev, which was the Follow Your Passion business, which was an <laughs> online, which is an online DJ course, a, a membership course before its time, which was really, really good. But I'd also be fucking broke too, and not broke, <laughs> not broke, but it was never gonna be, um, you know, a big company because it was niche and I was stuck in this passion thing. But what I learned, which is what you said before, by doing that. I, I, I learned these other skills that became my passion yeah. and those skills were branding and marketing which I've been able to carry through all of our all those subsequent businesses and, and ultimately this last one that me and Pete are doing Brilliant. and it's all on the back of that 100% yeah. so it's crazy and one thing I'll say to the younger people who are again thinking about starting a startup young or old it doesn't matter if you're thinking about starting a startup you can't connect those dots until after the fact correct so the one skill that you need to have is to actively engage that passion side or whatever it is that you've got in you to actually rock up and exert as much effort as you can to be good at it. So whether it's maths, whether it's piano, whether it's sales, whether it's whatever facet of your learning journey you're on, just give it your best go. How you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah, I love that. So it's more of a it's more of your discipline, the way you act, rocking up, those sort of things to focus on to get the best out of everything that you try. Yeah. So then you can get to a place where you can go. There's an, there's another way. I know you love the footy analogies. How you train is how you play, right? So like if yeah. you you know what I mean. How you train. I tell my kids that all the time when I've got AC on the floor. Oh, my buddy. You know what I mean. But how you train is how you play. So, um, if I've got another one for you. What happened to the comparison business? Because because if, <laughs> if I was a betting man at the start. Yeah. I would have I would have put my money on the comparison business, man. Yeah, no fair. Look, uh, Finder.com.au was already launched. Um, Which is were, that Fred Shabasta dude? Yep. They were already out there and. That one would have been more about how you can get in front of more people and get to mass market, right? Because you're not earning a huge margin when you're all you're doing is referring those loans to those banks because they've got the best rates. Um, you, you would have to get you'd have to get are they uh, affiliate together. commissions? Is that how that works? Some of them are. Some of them are were referral programs, but then the Royal Banking Commission came in afterwards. But then they also expanded to insurance products, um, different car products, or even just products in general. Yep. So you've got um, that side of things. The window furnishings just really took off and it was the right business to invest uh, energy, effort and resources into. And with all things, you've kind of not got to narrow down what the opportunity is and make sure that you're realistic about what resources you have, whether it's time or money. To, to do. And it made sense to focus on, on DIY blinds. And how, how long were they running in parallel? How long were you doing the side uh, hustle together? Not long. Uh, I'd say anywhere from six months to a year. It okay. was, um, DIY blinds really just took over once we launched the website, which I designed, which was ugly. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it, people actually saw a lot of value. And it wasn't the customers that we were able to attract customers and acquire customers. It was how ecstatic and happy they were after they had used us, which is what yeah. um, really resonated with us that there was an opportunity here. 
which and is, then that's what leads to more customers. More customers, which was <laughs> weird when we when I rocked up this morning here and Claire again, yeah, she was like excited for you, and I'm like the DIY guy, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but she was genuinely buzzing because she uses you guys, she gets the sample, and she rates it. Man, she was amazing. actually going to come up, but she was busy. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's like you said, instead of just trying to get customers all on the front line, customers you did get created so much value for them that then referrals and all that sort of stuff so powerful. Correct. Yeah. Mate, amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, mate, is there anything else? Is there anything else you want to touch on? I feel like there's a mind there of <laughs> value that yeah. you just want to give, man. Um, yeah, like this has been amazing. Um, is there anything else? Look, throughout the whole journey and in retrospect to where we've gotten, I think the, the one thing I'd love to share with everyone is um, – one of my philosophies on the hiring and, and people you bring on board. Yeah, um, and it's more of a Dan Ping thing who's all about who's all about influence as opposed to people HR. And that's this. So I try and align that these three things. One is one is autonomy. So when we first especially as a startup, everyone's gotta wear multiple hats. You can't micromanage people because you just don't have the time regardless. Yeah. Um, so autonomy. Everyone we hire, everyone that we bring on board, they have a lot of autonomy. We but we hire really, really good people and we make sure that we're stringent on who we hire. But as soon as we've hired that good people, we get out of the way so they can do good work. So that's one, autonomy. Then the second one is mastery, um, making sure that everyone's mastered their skill set, what it is that they actually do in their core function, but then also encouraging them to continue to grow other skill sets. So if you're a salesperson, you want to learn marketing. If you're a marketing person, you want to learn sales or finance, whatever it is, encourage it because it allows you as a human being to continue to grow. I think it's the reason why 30, 40 people learn another language. I'm going to piss off a lot of people, but I think it's why people learn golf at 60 because <laughs> you've got to continue to grow and develop as, as, a, as an individual yeah. so autonomy mastery is one and the third one is the most important and that's purpose so forget passion like passion comes and goes but purpose if you can align everyone on the vision and make sure that everyone understands it and everyone has a sense of purpose and they feel like they're a large part of something larger than themselves that trumps remuneration that trumps all of the bumps in the road and that is the most fulfilling thing as a human being um, and I'm so proud about our attrition rate, about the fact that the majority of the majority part, one person when we first started is still with us today from six years ago. What? So that to me is what, one thing that I'd love to What share. were the pillars of that though? So how do you, because you, you, yeah, what, what are the pillars of being able to implement that? Um, I think leadership um, textbooks and MBAs and organizational behavior books focuses on a lot of frameworks on how to manage people and, and whatnot and how to be able to have those conversations but one thing that it often lacks is is that level of inspiration which again ties down to vision and making sure that you share that it's not so much a pillar but i think it's a fundamental element that not many people talk about are people inspired or do people find forget the word inspired are people fulfilled are people um, buying into the vision and yeah. will they find a sense of purpose? will they feel like they're a part of something larger yep um, and i think that's one of the the reasons why we've been so successful is because of the people we brought on board yeah that's wild yeah. and provided them with purpose Absolutely. And all those yeah. mastery. And we, all we kind of been learning that lesson over the last 12 months, right? Yeah, well, there was, we asked that question to everyone. I was actually going to ask your staff and retention and that sort of stuff, but that's that's some really good answers there because yeah. um, like even we, we, had a, we had a workshop at the start of the week and just being, you know, inclusive in, in that purpose yeah. and that vision and that goal and we've still got a couple more things to do, but I... Yeah, and that was one of our first ones. On. So, however many years we're in, we're starting to learn that because what happens? You get caught in the weeds, right? We'll just work. Absolutely. We'll just work, and man, we didn't we're know. Just and is everyone just going to work like us? We'll just work. <laughs> yeah. Everyone will just work and be happy with it. But you got to realise that Bring pe people that come and give up their time for you every day, mm -hmm. they need more. Yeah, absolutely. You know? 
and they're not they're not business owners so that's, that's also right. the difference and yeah. for me I see one of my jobs and key functions of my job is making sure that I remove roadblocks for people to do good work and that I'm also looking at ways to empower them make sure that they've got the right resources so mate if again on that purpose front if if people aren't aligned on purpose and they don't believe in the in the vision you're going to have problems when it comes to, to recruitment, HR and all the rest of it. Um, but if they're aligned, you can then all of a sudden free up your time to do other work and focus on other parts of the business because you're aligned. If that alignment's not there, you're in trouble. So I think it's underemphasized. And one of the cool things we did is actually um, put our corporate values together like six years later recently through the help of our new CPO, Jeff Stanton. Um, and one of the things that came out honestly just blew my mind and pulled at my heartstrings. And one of the corporate values that came out of the sessions that, that resonated was caring deeply. So that's now one of our values is the fact that our, our cohort, our, we've got 120 staff, they care so deeply about the business. They care so deeply about getting us to succeed and achieve that vision, but they also care so deeply about our customers. Um, and to me, that, that that's something that I take a lot of pride in. Yeah, well done. Well done. And it all stemmed with you, mate. So... Hats right. off. Is that, is that, but that's what I was going to say. Like, but how do you do that, right? How do you get 120 people to care about the business? Because, but invest. Remember how you said um, people spend too much time in the weeds? Yep, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, but you've got to make sure that you take the time to share Out of the, the problems. Yeah, you've got yeah. To share. You've got to be empower them. Empower autonomy. Them. Yeah. Because how often as a business owner do you go right? It's going to be two minutes if I do that job. But if I give it to someone oh, else, it's going to take an hour, and there's a risk of it not being done right. Yeah. yeah. But what you're doing is you're not actually solving the problem. So they might make a mistake. But you need to let them make that mistake so that they can learn, develop. So you're one step closer to where you're trying to get to. Otherwise, you're just kicking the can. You're spot on, man. It's a balancing act. And look, no one makes, but I learned this uh, just yesterday. I I genuinely don't think people make bad decisions on purpose. I think sometimes people make bad decisions because they don't have all the information at hand to make a good decision or they don't have the skill set that they need to make a good decision. Especially if you've hired right and they've got, you know, they they believe in the vision. So that's gold. That's gold. What a story, man. Love ah, it, Devin. This has been awesome. I've enjoyed it. Um, I think uh, uh, I'm, ke- I'm keen to kind of um, see what the feedback is. I haven't well, done too many podcasts. Evan's factory is just over the other I was going to say, we're practically neighbours, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> neighbours here in Collingwood. Man, I, can, I can tell you now, this is a cracker. Absolute belter. Because yeah. Yeah, no, what we're awesome. trying to do, we're, you know, our whole purpose is to try and inspire uh, some of the guys that are in the cubicles like you were with, Maybe stuck in the superannuation. Yeah, you and you guys stuck in there being rock stars. And you wish you had it done it sooner. Yeah. (laughs) So So, we're out here telling them, do it sooner. Man, do it. And take, like you said, your only thing was just do it. Just have a a crack. So, and and the guys on site, man. And so you're you're speaking directly to our audience, man, which is perfect because you've done it. You didn't follow your passion and all that that stuff. What you did was you found, found a problem, found a couple of problems. Didn't put all your eggs in one basket. Found a couple of problems, figured out which one was was getting some traction, and then you went all in. Exactly. It's beautiful, man. Magic. Hundred mil, awesome, Pika. <laughs> oh, mate, that's just the beginning. Please, guys, like, share, subscribe. Anyone that's going to get value out of that, share it along. See you at the top. No you. Yeah, that was sick, man. That was